So I want to, I want to talk to you about, it's a really important topic, um, and you'll have to bear with me, Lexi, in terms of skipping around here, because I just, I want to, I want to explain something to you right up front. I want to talk to you about something that I can't talk to you about this week, and we're going to have to talk about it next week, but I want to explain why. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 5, verses 9 to 12, if you got a card, a note card by the communion stations, then you'll see this is on there a little further down because I'm a little out of order. Uh, Jesus became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him and was designated by God to be high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Now, I don't know if you've ever even looked into Scripture at who this particular priest is, but it is a very significant person, and I've really not heard anybody preach on the order of Melchizedek and what that really means and what that looks like, but I felt like the Lord was saying to me a few weeks back that this was going to be a focus for us, and I thought I was going to speak on it to you today. But I want you to hear the rest of this. It says, verse 11, we have much to say about this, but it's hard to make it clear to you because you need milk, not solid food. And I just felt like the Lord was saying that we're to take a week of preparation to have an appetite and a hunger for the deeper things of God so that he can reveal what he desires to reveal to a people that are not just milk central, but they are meat hungry. Are you hungry today? Uh, I believe God wants to deepen our appetite, enlarge our capacity. I don't want to speak to you with human words of persuasion. I want the Spirit of God to enter into this room and under the sound of His voice, the sound of my voice is declaring His truth, and the sound of your voice is declaring His yes and amen, and there is something to be released together as a result of our gathering in this room and believing God to do something supernatural. Can I hear an Amen. We are agreeing for something more than just a nice motivational speech. And I, I really believe that God wants to take us into this with a, a greater understanding. But your action point this week is going to be take some time this week to fast and pray. Really ask God to deepen your appetite, to ready your soul, and prepare your heart for a greater hunger, for the, the greater appetite of the deeper things of God. And as I uh, then next week, we'll start to look into what that really means, why that's so important, and why do you think the writer of Hebrews, most assume Paul, would say, uh, I really can't go into all this right now because you're really not ready for the meat. But I believe God's going to prepare us to be ready for the meat and reveal something profound in every one of our hearts, even as we step into this next week. But it's a maturity thing, and so we need to look at what it is to really walk in a greater maturity. We're talking about legacy. This is a season of time that we're going to talk about legacy. What is legacy? When you think of the word legacy, I want you to ponder what it is that comes to mind. Because when I think of legacy, I think of you know, inheritance. But when I think of inheritance, I don't think of inheritance like passing my stuff from generation to generation. How many of you know it's one thing to pass your valuables to the next generation, it's another thing to pass your values to the next generation. 
God wants us to connect on a level of the deeper truths of God's kingdom that we instill in the next generation church so that they are not overwhelmed by that which God desires to entrust to their care because I believe we're coming into a season where God wants us to understand the Ecclesiastes 2.26 principle is a reality. God has has caused the world to store up the treasures of this world, riches, wealth, to be transferred into the hands of the believers that will make the world a better place. Do you know why God wants you to have the stuff? Because you will do something with it that will actually leave the world a better place. So what we don't want to do is be afraid of the, the blessing of God. Like, oh no, what if, you know, what if this happens? What if, that, what if this comes? What if that comes? We also don't want to be you know, positioned so that we're going to use the blessing of God in our own selfish ambitions. But we want to really understand, what is this thing, the church, that we have allowed to become so monetized in our society that we actually have produced a group of consumers that we attract into our buildings when we provide speeches that resemble successful speeches in any era of our society, it would parallel and bring similarity. And I believe God wants to awaken something in the body of Christ that's beyond that type of ideology. Come on. The Constitution says that you have the right to happiness. And our theology, for some reason, has been shaped by constitutional conclusions because God doesn't say you have the right to happiness. Now, I know, don't, don't, don't get mad at me yet. I want to explain. How many of you know there's a difference between joy, which is eternal, and happiness, which is self-absorbed, immediate for the moment? God is into the eternal things. And what you have to understand, you are not supposed to be, if you're single, you are not supposed to be looking for somebody who will make you happy because if you're looking for somebody who will make you happy, you're not looking to love them, you're looking to use them and the very premise of your relationship is flawed at the foundation, much like the theological conclusions that drive the church of our generation. How am I doing today? God wants us to be awakened to the eternal values that he carries so that our world will be transformed by the love and the life and the power of God Almighty. That's why I want to talk to you today today in preparation for next week about the first century church, the seed of who you and I are in today's modern world. It's really interesting when you, when you see them, and I, I think about, um, I can, any, any of you relate to this, I'm not a cook at all. Not only am I not a cook, I can open a refrigerator and see a refrigerator full of food, and I can say, I don't see a thing to eat. And then Tracy can open the fridge and within five minutes have things moving in motion to create the most exquisite meal that I have ever experienced in my life. She'll say, oh, this has been in here for a week, that's been in there for a week, and all of a sudden, like stuff that's just about ready to go bad, she turns it into something amazing. Okay, how many of you have that gift? Raise your hand. Just raise them high. I'd like to do dinner for six with you as our cook. That would be great. See, I have the ability 
to, uh, we do the pick up your groceries at Walmart type of thing. Anybody do that? And so we order that. And then I go sit in the lane and I wait. They come out. I bring all the groceries home. Tracy will normally start coming out trying to bring them in. And I always tell her the same thing. Let me bring it in and you put the stuff where it goes, okay? And so I'll make all these trips. I'll recruit the girls to help me if they're available. And, and we'll get all the groceries in. I bring all the groceries and still we can get all those groceries in there. And still I look in there and I'll say, I don't see a thing to eat. Like if you bought beef jerky and put it in a package right there, I would see something to eat. But I don't see that. I'm, I'm looking at all these things. I'm just not resourceful having the ability to convert that which is freely at my disposal into something productive that can make a difference, a lot like many Christians today. We have more teaching, more training, more praying, more equipping more messages, more online presence. You can find a message about anything. The question is not, do you have resources at your disposal? The question is, are you becoming resourceful so the kingdom of God is actually expanding through your surrendered available life as you're digesting what God wants you to digest? Come on, clap it in. Let's call this in together today now. Scripture says, and I'm going to minister this word over you, Ephesians 6.10 it's a powerful version of this particular verse. And I want to say to you, ladies and gentlemen, be supernaturally infused with strength through your life union with the Lord Jesus Christ. Stand victorious with the force of his explosive power flowing in and through you and your life. That is a powerful declaration. That is Christianity 101. That is transformational faith that actually does not leave a city the way it was just because people came together together and sing songs. It actually is a transformational faith where people are gathering together to be empowered to go out and be the agents of transformation God has called us to be in the society in which we live. The church should never be able to be dropped into a society and not impact the society. A church should be a contagious, enthusiastic, revelation expression of Christ that transforms everything about the society around them. This is the church. We are the salt of the earth. Salt has no impact if it remains in a shaker. It looks beautiful. It's pretty. It's white. How many of you like your steak rare? Can I just see? Like your steak rare. You like it to still be mooing, right? Drop that thing on that plate, blood splatters around there. Some people look at that and they think, oh, that's so good. That's not good to me, but I know some people love it like that. <laughs> Salt looks beautiful as long as it's in that shaker. But when you dump it out on that bloody steak, it's not so beautiful anymore. But it does its work when it's dumped out on that bloody steak. Do you understand what I'm saying? We gather together and we look beautiful, all dressed up in our congregational gatherings. But come on, there is an injured pained, bloodied world out there, and you and I have got to get out of the shaker and into the world to leave a mark and make a difference the way God has intended for us to make a difference. Jesus suffered and died. Do you understand this? Jesus died for your sins. It's just too easy to say it that way in a palatable expression. I've looked at the medical description of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ and the way that they pierced in the nerve 
pockets of his wrists and of his, his ankles and, and the way that they had lacerated his back on a hard, coarse, wooden stake uh, that we call a cross and how he would pull himself up to get a breath of air and that would have to push off of these nerves on his feet the whole time his lacerated back going up on that coarse wood, painting him in more ways than we can even begin to possibly imagine. And because of the searing pain of his ankles, as he pushes up to take in a breath, he then would let off of his, this is just common crucifix that would take place. He then would let off of that because of that pain, and it would jolt down on the pain. It is a horrible, horrible death that Jesus died. Bleeding every drop of blood from his body, out of his body. Jesus suffered and died. He didn't do that so you could go to church. Jesus suffered and died so we would be the church that ushers God's kingdom into the world in which we live. Everywhere we go, every day we live. I'm so glad you're here. Something powerful about gathering as the church. So powerful, God says in his word, don't forsake that. Make sure you're gathering together as the family. But don't think for a second, this is the purpose of our existence in this world. This is the springboard that takes us into the purpose that God has, that he's equipped you for. I don't know if you realize it or not, but there are dreams that exist within your heart. There are dreams that God planted within you. I don't want to mess up too much of your theology this morning because I don't have the time to walk through all of it. But I will tell you this, your life, maybe, maybe you understand what it is to, you know, whatever pain you've walked through, difficulty you've walked through, your life is perfectly equipped with the experiences that your dreams require. Because God Never waste a single hurt. And all things work together for the good of those who love them. They're called according to his purpose. So therefore, every sense of dysfunction no longer becomes an excuse. But now it becomes something God purposefully uses because sometimes he surrounds us with people who need to hear about our past so our past never becomes their future. Your life is equipped with dreams. Some of you in this room need to allow the dreams that exist within you to expand into your world and stop just going to a job serving somebody else's dream when God actually wants you to awaken a dream that's within you so that other people will come along and help you fulfill your dream. How many of you know I'm talking? We, this is profound, deep truth statement. It's, it's a blank for you to fill in. We are not here trying to build a better church. We are here as the church trying to build a better world. And we need to understand something. We're coming into a different stage, a different season, a different focus as a church family. 2020 is just on the horizon. You know what I believe God is going to reveal? His perfect vision for the body of Christ in this next year. It's almost like we're going to see 2020 vision of God in the course of the year 2020. Clarity is going to abound. I heard the Holy Spirit saying, and I'm, I'm just now ready to start making the declaration. I've talked with our elders, our staff. I want you to, to begin to pray in agreement. But there are, and I, I'm, going to, I'm going to 
backtrack in a moment. I'm going to first use the word ministry, just so I'm speaking church language that everybody can understand. But, but then I'm going to correct it and, and modify it to broaden it just a little bit. But I believe in the year 2020, this church family, listen, in the year 2020, this church family is going to give birth to 20 new ministry expressions. Now, I'm going to backtrack off and not call it ministry expressions because you, you may be thinking like destiny, church expressions. That's really not what, it, what it's supposed to look like. Some of it will be that, and that's fine, but, but I'm going to call it 20 points of impact. In other words, 20 avenues where people's lives are effectively being transformed as a result of the dream that exists in your heart. How many of you, this resonates with you right now? You think you're one of the 20. I believe 20 is a minimum number, and it's going to be more than that. How many of you know there's enough dream in this room, in this service alone, to change this entire Oklahoma City metro area if we will get under the anointing of the Holy Spirit? Jesus did it with 12. So how do we, how do we transform a society? I, I really just... Instead of going through that part of my message, let me just say it this way. Seven weeks from tonight, I'm going to launch uh, my, next, my class in the Institute, where I'll actually be teaching this particular class. We have various teachers doing different things, but, but seven weeks from tonight, I'm going to do this class, and it's a 3D leadership development model. And it's something God spoke into our the fabric of our church years ago. It's what we use for church consultant work. You know, we work with a number of different pastors and churches now. It's also what we use in business consultant work. It's just a really easy to understand model that actually helps people get away, listen carefully, move away from having a love affair with the idea of success that our society so endorses and embraces and has so perverted the body of Christ. You should not be chasing after success. You should be discovering significance. If you don't know who you are, then you'll spend your whole life trying to be something you're not, and you'll never be good enough at it, and you'll always fuel the fire of inadequacy because you never understood your functional purpose. I believe your functional purpose is powerful. And I want to walk you through six weeks, 18 hours of lecture, three hours each Sunday night. It's a cost. There's a value to this. And I want to ask you to be a part of this and walk this out if you have an interest in trying to express this in the next season of, of who God has called us to be as a church family. And the conclusion of those six weeks will actually be a well-developed plan. I have a variety of, ex, of expressions and, and um there's a word I'm looking for that's not coming to my brain right now, but it'll come in just a little while. Exercises. Thank you. That's the word, exercise. And so an exercise, these are multiple exercises that you will walk through, homework assignments that are going to help you discover the passion that you have, the reason why you have that passion that you have, because the passion that you have always complements the seed God deposited in your life so that it can be coupled with the passion and accomplish the purpose that you are born. You're, there's something God wanted done that makes you necessary. <laughs> you're not an accident. You're not an experiment. You're a purpose assignment for God. We want to help you figure that out and walk that out so that you will leave the world a better place. And once you figure that out, this is significant, once you figure that out, you then will begin to express your life in a way that people's lives will be better as a result of your gifts. Author Brennan Manning said, the greatest single cause of atheism in the world 
The greatest single, this is, a, this is a staggering statement, the greatest single cause of atheism in the world is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and walk out the door and deny him with their lifestyles. He goes on, he says, that is what an unbelieving world finds unbelievable. I want you to know that when an unbelieving world meets the real Jesus that wants to come alive in your and my life, an unbelieving world will begin to believe. It's called revival fire by the Spirit of God and the loving nature of God being released to the world around us. This is, this is such an incredible statement. Unbelieving believers... This could never have been spoken of the first century church, the seed from which you and I have come. First century church was clearly a Jesus movement. You might want to jot it in there. Jesus movement. They're not institutionalized expression that people don't feel like they can fit. They're judged when they come into the institutionalized expression of the church. What are they going to say? What are they going to think? They're high, mighty, pious. No, these were servants that reflected the very image of Jesus to the world in which they lived. They were the Jesus movement of their generation. I believe God wants us to become the Jesus movement to our generation once again. These early Christians understood that their role was to actively establish God's kingdom of love and compassion in the earth. Are, do you have ears to hear what I'm saying today? Are, are you taking a little morsel of a, of a sermon topic and popping it in your mouth a little bit and sucking the chocolate off and you're going to spit out the hard part to swallow? Or are you going to digest what I'm talking to you about today? Because it's time to man up and it's time to woman up. It's time for every one of us to take up our cross, be willing to die to ourselves, and leave this world a better place on purpose. These early Christians understood their role was to actively establish God's kingdom of love and compassion in the earth. Emperor Constantine legalized Christianity. And a shift happened. It was really kind of a wild story. I'm kind of researching more to understand what was going on. But 25 years after Christianity was legalized, and Christians then kind of came out of the woodwork to begin to do what Christians do, they started helping those in need in society. You have to understand the Roman government had little to no social welfare system. And if you didn't have a family to take care of you, then you were going to die on the streets. And there's something called Imago Dei that maybe you've heard of. And it's ultimately where Christians rose up with a revelation that all humanity is created in the image of God. And we look into the face of starving men, women, and children on the streets. We see the image of God that exists within humanity regardless of what they believe. And we will care for their needs because we are the expression of God's love in the earth. And 25 years after Constantine died, a new emperor came into rule in Rome. And he wrote this letter. These Galileans, this is his, his letter. These Galileans support not only their poor, but ours as well. He goes on and he says, 
it is going to be difficult to get control of society when these Christians continue to live such generous lives. Let me just make a little political statement to you today. Those in governmental power will always overlook the need in society in the effort to stay in control of governmental power. And that's exactly what was going on. They said, we're going to get the power back from these Christians who've stepped in. And they've become this welfare expression within society. It's like they're meeting everybody's needs. And everybody's loyal to them because they're helping them so much. I mean, do you understand what is said of the church of our generation would never have been said of the church of the first century? And ultimately, as a result of the shift that began to take place of those in power, Christians became known as enemies of the state. And Christians were persecuted and killed and burned at the stake. And Nero was said to have put his fingers in his ears as they were burning Christians at the stake in the Roman Colosseum and shouted, why must these Christians sing while we burn them to death? Because they had such a revelation of heaven and earth. You ever heard that story about the fourth man in the fire? We heard a little preaching about that last week from Pastor Chris. He did a fantastic job bringing that revelation. I just want you to know, these Christians knew their God so intimately that when they were taken out there to be burned at the stake, they just embraced. There was a fourth man in the fire before. There will be another man in the fire now. They began to worship their God no matter what their circumstances. Come on, somebody. They began to worship their God no matter what their circumstances were. Heaven invaded earth. The power of God was demonstrated and revealed. And when this happened, people, Roman citizens, jumped out of the stands. Historians tell us they jumped out of the stands and they ran to where these Christians were being burned to death, knowing that it would cost them their life, but not wanting to miss what they saw happening from heaven on earth in that moment in time. The challenging question for you and the challenging question for me is who's willing to die for what they see God doing in our lives today? Write it in, please. If you don't devote yourself to the greater purposes of love, you confine yourself to a self-serving existence, and you were born for more than that. If you don't devote yourself to the greater purposes of love, you confine yourself to a self-serving existence. And you were born for more than that. Our world is greatly diminished by the life you don't live and by the difference you don't make if you never understand who God designed you to be. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, all creation waits for the sons and daughters to be revealed. Have you ever read that scripture and wonder what that really means? Like, you don't have to convince people intellectually to buy into the theology that we want them to buy into in order that they can become Christians. You simply love people, and God's love does the work. How many of you know restlessness and boredom abound in the church of our generation today? Anybody realize that? I don't know. You going to go to church today? I don't know. Maybe so. Okay, I guess we should. We go to church, but I'm just going to, you know, not really be engaged, connected. Restlessness and boredom abound. And the reason 
is because we've expressed such smallness of purpose that people are rarely equipped to get beyond their own needs. Like we talk people into tithing and giving by convincing them God's going to give them more money. I want you to know God wants to cause your life to flourish and be blessed. And it is true. The measure that you give with is the measure that is unlocked in your life. And I understand those things. Far be it from this house to ever prostitute those principles. I'm not a pimp. I'm a pastor. And I'm bringing the truth of the gospel to a mature group of people that need to understand. Our worship is such, even when it hurts, we're going to make a difference in the world that lives around us. Come on! I'm feeling feisty today. And the reason is because we need every one of you in this fight. We need every one of you engaged in this fight. We need the resources of your life engaged in the expression and expansion of the kingdom of God. We need to start 20 points of impact next year. And we need to have a million dollars that is at our disposal to express transformation in our society. And that is not too much for God. Let's bring all the resources of our lives before the Lord our God. Just like they did in the New Testament first century church. Laying assets at the feet of the apostles saying, whatever we need to do, let's change society. Whatever we need to do, let's transform the world. God loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus to die a horrible death and we've reduced it to, I hope you come to church next week. Two weeks from today, we're going to talk 2020 Vision Sunday and what that really looks like. And we're going to ask people to make true commitments to what it looks like for them in their devotion to loving, serving, and giving in the year 2020. I am unashamed to announce to you that we want you to do that. It's like somebody asked, Pastor, are you saying that we should take a portion of income in our lives and give it to the church as a tithe and offering to see God's kingdom expand in the earth and, and help other people? Yes! That's what I'm saying. And then some. Lord, there's an, let's all stand to our feet. Lord, there's an enemy that wants to try and take the seed away that has been sown in our lives. I pray that the soil of our lives would not be a stone pathway. I pray the soil of, the soil of our lives would not be uh, full of weeds and distractions that will choke the truth that you're wanting us to embrace. But I pray the soil of our lives would be able to receive the deep-seated, planted word that grows and takes root, even preparing us for the deeper revelation you desire to lead us in as we gather back in this room next week, believing, Lord, for the revelation that we read about in Scripture that is a revelation reserved for those that are hungry for meat, 
Lord, we're hungry, and I believe this morning you've increased our appetite. Take us deeper, we pray, in the mighty name of Jesus. Take us deeper, we pray, in the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. If you're here, eyes with, with nobody looking around, you're here, you say, I am not where I need to be in my relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to lift up a hand. I want to pray for you today. I am not where I need to be. Lots of hands, lots of different reasons motivating us to raise our hands. But come on, we're declaring. I, I want to give you an opportunity to respond. Every person in the room, just as you examine this question, I admit I am not where I need to be in my relationship with Christ. Some of us, that means we need to come to the cross of Christ today and surrender our lives. Some of us, that means we need to get serious about who we are as the body of Christ, the family of God. Some of us, that means I'm sorry, Lord, that I've not been faithful in worshiping with giving in my finance. Whatever that looks like for any person in the room, I believe right now chains are being broken off of our lives, crushed underneath our feet. Crumbs of chains are going to be left in this room in Jesus' name. Can I get everybody in the room to celebrate? Can I get everybody in the room to declare it? We're believing in Jesus' mighty name.